0: Get you to turn in your Bibles this evening to Revelation chapter 3, we're going to read verses 7 and 8, and then Revelation 22, verse 17. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write... These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. And in Revelation 22 and verse 17... And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Tonight, the title of my message is An Invitation and an Open Door. Brother Simon, if you could pray, please. An invitation and an open door. An invitation is when you ask someone to go somewhere or to do something. You request their presence in a particular place or their participation in a particular activity. Never is there a busier time in one's life than when your children are in primary school receiving invitations from little friends for playdates and birthday parties. Each time the invitation, whether written or verbal, includes the word come. Please come to my party. Can he or she come to play? These kinds of invitations are informal and casual. But if you get invited to something that is extra special, like a wedding, the invitations can be somewhat formal, such as such and such quarterly invite you to join them to celebrate, whatever. Such and such request the pleasure of your company at wherever. But whether formal or informal, it doesn't change the fact that an invitation is a privilege, an opportunity to be a part of something special. Someone is requesting your presence, your participation, your company. Someone someone wants you to be there with them and be a part of their special occasion. They are specifically asking you to share in an experience with them. An invitation is almost like a key to an open door, and the door signifies an access point or an opportunity. An invitation has details on it of when and where a function will take place and maybe even state how to dress, whether it's formal or casual or maybe in some sort of theme or costume. If you respond favourably to the invitation and you follow the instructions and show up at the right place on the right day at the right time, you will walk through an open door, the access point to the function, and take advantage of the opportunity that you were invited to take part in. The invitation merely requests your presence. What you do with the invitation will determine whether you access the open door or not. The other night, I mistakenly left the garage light on. I thought I'd switched the light off, but instead I pressed the garage door button And being a new door, it silently went up, and I had no idea. And so I went to bed that night with the light on, the garage door open, thinking that everything was fine. And when I'd realised that I'd left the light on, it was about quarter to one in the morning, I got up, and I saw that I had left the light on and walked out into the garage and looked straight out into the street. And I went, oh... And then I looked over to where Matthew's bike was supposed to be, and it had gone for a walk. Had I not left the light on, the contents of the garage would not have been so obvious, even through the door, even though the door was open, and the thief may have just kept walking by. But by leaving the garage light on and the door open, I had inadvertently not only given the thief an invitation to take the bike, but had given him access and opportunity. Every time you pick your Bible up, whether to read it or to move it, you are privileged to hold an invitation to take part in the greatest opportunity a man, a human, can experience. God, the creator of all, cordially invites you to have access to constant fellowship with him. He would like to give you admission to his glory, his grace, his mercy, his joy, his love and his peace. He alone has opened this door and he alone can shut it. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 gives us an invitation. Come now, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be like crimson, they shall be as wool. And in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28, another invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord at a time where God felt sorry he had created man and was grieved at his heart. Noah's righteous life and fear of God gained him the invitation to an open door of escape from the wrath of God that was coming. To accept the invitation, Noah had only to follow and obey the specific instructions stated on the invitation. There was no when on this invitation, no time, no date, just build the ark because judgment is coming and the key to escape is to accept the conditions and instructions of this invitation. So Noah built an ark with one window and one door. His sons helped and perhaps Noah even hired people to help. He preached righteousness and warned those around him of, warned those around him of impending judgment, extending the invitation to them to make their reservations on the cruise ship he was building. Perhaps some people said yes, but then got sick of waiting because they didn't see any sign of rain. They didn't see any sign of judgment at all. Just people doing what they've always done. Once the ark was finished, Noah had seven days to load it with provision before the flood would come. The animals arrived in their designated pairs and sevens, and Noah led them into the ark. Then, when it was loaded, he moved his family on board and waited. With the door wide open, they waited for something to happen. They heard the laughter as the people walked by. They heard the scoffing. Perhaps they even had people coming right up to the doorway to make fun of them. Noah wasn't able to shut the door. The task was for no man. God had opened the door. He had made an access point for escape, and it would be God that would shut the door ...and closed the opportunity to salvation. Noah and his family had to put up with the insults and the jokes. I imagine Noah wasn't too popular with his family at this point in time. But while the door was open, the invitation to those on the outside stood... ...and they still had the opportunity for salvation. Perhaps even Noah stood at the door pleading with the people to get in the boat. The judgment of God was coming... Come on in, come in, get in the boat. But Genesis 7.16 tells us, And they went in, that is Noah and his family and the animals, went in male and female of all flesh, as God commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. God closed the door. Abraham was given an invitation to become a great nation, though, uh, through which God would bless all the nations of the earth. The instructions on this invitation were required Abraham to leave everything that he was familiar with to follow where God would lead. Again, this invitation did not state when the great nation would appear, nor where the land was, or when it would belong to them. But by accepting the invitation, Abraham opened the access point for his children to become the people of God. Yes, it was a lengthy process, And Abraham did not see, did not live to see the day that it was fulfilled. But by his obedience, a door opened in the plan of God for the redemption of man. It was through Abraham's grandson, Jacob, his lineage, that Messiah would make his way into the world. Through Moses, the law was given and the tabernacle was built. God gave the children of Israel an invitation to be part of a great nation. Only this invitation was very detailed and with many instructions. But the invitation was the key to the door to access God's blessing and favor. To disregard the invitation and disobey the instructions would close the door and the blessing and favor of God would be closed off. Again, this door was a door that only God opened and only God would shut. Time and time again, the, Israels failed. the Israelites failed to accept the conditions of the invitation And as a result, found themselves in bondage and miserable. And time and time again, through judges and prophets, the invitation was extended to enter through the door of blessing and favor of God. For periods of time, the invitation was accepted and Israel would enter a time of great blessing, miracles and victories. And then for whatever reason, the invitation would be forgotten, disregarded and the nation would fall into a great time of depravity and sin. Righteous men would rise and lead Israel in the ways of the Lord. And then with their death, wicked men would take their place time and time again. And then for 400 years, the invitations stopped coming and the door was shut. But God had a plan. It's always been in the plan of God to have fellowship with sinful man, not just to bless them and protect them as he did in the Old Testament, but to live amongst them. The tabernacle was set in the middle of the camp, seen by everyone and and easily accessible to bring sacrifice. The temple, when it was built, was to be the central place of worship for every Israelite, where they could bring their offerings and their sacrifices. But it was never God's intention to occupy a structure. He was more interested in earthen vessels. To live in the hearts of men, But in order to live in their midst, the issue of sin had to be dealt with once and for all. The blood of bulls and goats would only roll ahead the sin and not be rid of it. When Jesus made his appearance upon this earth, he came as the invitation. He came as the door. He is the door that no man can shut and no man can open. Jesus went about his ministry doing miracles, signs and wonders each one performed as an invitation to take part in a life that only he had to offer. Although his earthly ministry was primarily to the house, the lost house of Israel, there were Gentiles that dared to come before their time and take advantage of someone else's invitation. The invitation did not have a specific audience, but it was to the whosoever will. It was to those that had ears to hear what he was saying to them. Many people, including the disciples, came away from Jesus' teachings scratching their heads. And although he spoke in parables using physical physical examples to explain spiritual principles, the concepts seemed lost on them. Many times the disciples came to him and needed him to clarify what he had said. And Jesus patiently explained, wanting them to grasp spiritual truths, knowing only the Spirit of God would help them completely understand. There were times when his desire to see men accept the invitation and have access to the door overcame him. In Luke 13 and 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. John seven thirty-seven and 38, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. How it must have grieved him to see how far man had slipped from his original state in the garden to walk amongst them in their filth and muck, and to feel and encounter the hardship and pain that sin had caused, to experience that which was never intended for mankind to know. Yet he came to invite sinful man to obey and keep the commandments as per the invitation, and they would have access to an open door that led to eternal life and constant fellowship with God. The Old Testament law was just a shadow of what he intended to accomplish with his manifestation. Although tabernacle, although the tabernacle and everything in it pointed to Jesus Christ, they did not have complete a- access to fellowship with him as God intended in the beginning. And although the priests made sacrifice on behalf of the people and then washed in the laver, they only could enter into the holy place. The priests were the only ones to eat the showbread light the candlesticks and burn the incense. This was as close as they got to fellowshipping with God. As they went about their duties, fresh bread on the table of showbread, more oil for the golden candlesticks, fresh incense for another day, there was no ignoring the heavy curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. That was closed. That was not accessible except for one man Once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest was invited to go beyond the veil and sprinkle the blood of the bull and the goat on the mercy seat. With fear and intrepidation, the priest prepared himself. He wore the clothing with the bells stitched into the hem of his tunic, making sure they rang as he walked. He made sure the goats that were required were perfect and had no defects. He made sure the bull had no blemish. He was careful to look over everything carefully. Any oversight would cost him his life. And he made sure that the rope around his ankle was secure, long enough for him to have movement in the holy place and in the holiest place and strong enough to drag his body out should the sacrifice be rejected. But when Jesus went to Calvary, all that was done away with. He was the perfect sinless sacrifice to atone for the sins of every man that ever lived before Calvary and every man that would ever live after Calvary. When he cried, it is finished, it shook the earth, it opened graves, and it tore the veil that separated man and God for centuries from the top to the bottom, giving access to everyone, not just the high priest, not just an Israelite, but to the whole world. At that point, the invitation was sent out to everyone, to the whosoever will and to the whosoever won't. The invitation stands and the door is wide open, the door to his presence, the way of escape, the door to the throne of grace, the door to peace that passeth all understanding, the door to joy unspeakable and full of glory, the door to mercy and help. The door to eternal life. It is no longer for a select few but it is, all, it is for all who would hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus was the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. Today we don't have Jesus in the flesh but he has not left us clueless. We have a handwritten invitation that pleads with us to come. Not only to begin the process of salvation through repentance and baptism in his name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's just the beginning. But to, continually, to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and breaking bread and in prayers. To continue daily in fellowship with him. To be in his presence forever. To enter into his presence. To be with him just to come. Every day we are invited to come out from among them and be separate. And touch not the unclean thing and he will receive us. He has opened the door that we may sit with him in heavenly places. He will be a father to us. We will be his sons and daughters. Every day is an invitation to take advantage of the relationship he desires to have with his people. Every day he wants to come in and have supper with us. An invitation. He wants you to experience the glory of his kingdom and the majesty of his presence. He desires you to be part of the bride of Christ, his precious possession, the church. He is not willing that any should perish, but like any invitation, the onus is on us. We decide if we take up the invite and prepare, and prepare to go to the place that he has prepared for us. And we decide if we would rather not. We will be those, will we be those, that a certain king invited to his son's wedding and when they were called to come, they would not. Will we make light of the invitation, the privilege and the opportunity that we are invited to this wedding and get caught up with other things? Don't we know that our place setting at the wedding feast is not set and another may take our place? He has set before us an open door that no man can open and no man can shut. We cannot see the door to enter in physically, but when we draw near to him, the door becomes apparent because he draws near to us. It's like a porthole that opens up and gives us access to another realm The realm where He dwells. And every day He calls us to enter in, and every day we're invited to come. Come sit at His feet. Come worship. Come take advantage of the strength that He can give us. Come and be molded and made into His image and likeness. Come. Come and receive the invitation gladly and with anticipation of what He can do in our life. Come. Come and be changed. Come. If you're thirsty, come and drink. And if you're heavy laden, come and he will give you rest. Come, though your sins be as scarlet, because he will wash you and make you white as wool. We have an entire book full of examples of God reaching for man, inviting him to take part in something greater than this world offers. God reaching for sinful flesh inviting them to repent and be washed and be filled with him so that he can have fellowship with them, inviting them to acknowledge their sin and their own self-righteousness. He reached for all manner of men. His brashness with the Pharisees was to help them see who they'd become and expose their hearts, inviting them also to repent. But for the hardness of the heart, they would not hear, but the invitation went to them. From cover to cover we have the most extensive invitation to the most extraordinary supernatural event that I do not have the vocabulary to describe. Sister Arlene, if you would come. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 tells us, But at, as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And like anyone who hands you an invitation to something that they are excited about, they're begging you, please come, make way, keep the date free. It's going to be great. The invitation that the Bible ends with is a plea. And we read it in Revelation 22 and 17. The Spirit of God draws and says, come. And the church of the living God, his bride, echoes his plea and says, come. And all those that hear echo the plea to come. And the words of Jesus that he cried on the great day of the feast before his death are repeated. Let him that is athirst come. And whosoever... Will, let him come. The door is open. No man can shut can shut it. But like in the days of Noah, the time will come when the door will shut. No man knows the day nor the hour. The door will shut quickly and when it's not expected. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to come. Now is the time to take up an invitation to that open door. And tonight I just want to plead with you. It just doesn't have to be about salvation. It just doesn't have to be about needing something from God. He just wants to be with you. He just wants to live in you. He just wants fellowship with you. We cannot understand his love. We don't know what it is to feel. We only feel a little bit of it. We only get a a taste of his love for us. But for him to do what he did and come and walk amongst us like we heard this morning. For him to make a way to open the door. He wants us to come. And tonight I just want to open the altar if anybody wants to come and just be with Jesus. You don't have to come to ask for anything. You just have to come to be with him. You just have to come and sit at his feet and worship.